Hello and welcome to In Process Podcast. My name is Leslie Rogers and I am your host and I am extremely honored, beyond honored, that I have Pastor, the Reverend, the Bishop, the Apostle, Pastor Terry <laughs> Owens. So those of y'all who know, y'all know she is an incredible woman of God. Um, I do want to read her bio as I do always. I guess I should give you a chance to say hi before I read your bio. So Pastor Terry, welcome. <laughs> Hello, Pastor Leslie, and it's such an honor to be with you and to call you Pastor Leslie and to see all the ways in which God is um, just leading you and using you. So I'm just thrilled and so honored to be with you. Oh my gosh, the honor is all on my, I'm so excited, y'all. So for those of y'all who don't know, Reverend Horde. Owens was elected as the general minister and president of Disciples of Christ on July 9, 2017. A disciple since young adulthood, Pastor Terry was dean of students at the University of Chicago Divinity School and pastor of First Christian Church of Downers Grove, Illinois, prior to her election. Pastor Terry's resume includes more than 20 years of corporate America, leading diverse teams and data management before she entered seminary. For 15 years, she served as the Dean of Students at the University of Chicago Divinity School, shepherding um, a variety of student bodies um, and background and theology. Fascinatory is widely sought after as a speaker, preacher, and workshop facilitator. Her ministry and intellectual interests include a theology of reconciliation, cultural intelligence, developing inclusive and multicultural congregations, and the mentoring of young adults and youth. She is married to Walter Owens Jr., with whom she celebrated 30 years of marriage prior to her election. They are the proud parents of an adult son, W. Mitchell Owens III, which this is so funny, uh, Pastor Terry, because I didn't realize Mitchell was a third. Yeah, he's he's Walter Walter Mitchell Owens the third. Yeah, so he goes by his middle name, and he is now married. He is yes. now married. Yes. Yeah, he got married. Pandemic wedding um, in October of 2020. So, and I have a wonderful daughter in love, Adriana, whom wow. we call Audrey. So they grew up together in Chicago Children's Choir. We're friends for years, and um, so we're just thrilled and happy for them both. So. Wow, that is incredible. I got to see some pictures and they both look amazing. You all looked amazing on Facebook. Yeah. So um, it's just been a, a blessing to witness your life, Pastor Terry. Uh, mm-hmm. When I think about um, meeting you at Salem, I don't know how I met you at Salem. <laughs> I just know I was at the church. Mitchell, I think we're about the same age, actually. Right, yeah. <laughs> I remember being at camp with Mitchell. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and of course, uh, I was about to call him he is Pastor Walter of Owens, um, and just our families kind of being mm-hmm. on the same journey together as God right, allowed right, to witness, right, to bear right. witness to one another. But one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on, Pastor Terry, is we are celebrating women for the month of March, and I just, uh, as I was thinking about this episode, the word trailblazer came to mind. 
mm-hmm. for specific your life and your ministry and how God has allowed you to break through barriers. And um, and I was telling you, like, I don't know if you was doing this. Like, if, I didn't know. I don't know if you knew you were doing this or, you know, <laughs> sometimes we just go in and we're like, oh, that happened. And so yeah. um, I just would love for you, Pastor Terry, to share your call story. We've been highlighting different call sure. stories and, and what that means to you. Um, please, I'm going to stop talking. I want you to have all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, this September it will mark 25 years since Walter and I have been a part of the Salem family since he came to Salem to be uh, the minister of music. So yeah, our our family's wow. journeys have have certainly we've we've walked together and shared together and fellowshiped and worshiped together. Your mom is just a phenomenal, and your dad, both of them are just uh, uh, great people, and we're very close to both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we, my call story, I was, um, Walter was serving as minister of music at my home church, Light of the World Christian Church, uh, which is affiliated with the Disciples of Christ in Indy. And we had met and married here in Chicago, moved back to Indy for him to accept that call. And I was, you know, working at IT. I was working for Anthony Blue Cross Blue Shield. I worked for Ernst & Young, IBM, all these things. Uh, I was an active lay leader. And so wherever Walter served, I always started a drama ministry if there wasn't one, because I that's what I love to do. Wow. And so we we did, um, I think we did it one year at the uh, at the Regal in Chicago, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. That was a community production for about five years in Indy. And I uh, taught uh, adult Bible study. Walter and I taught Bible study with the adult choir before their rehearsal. So at this church, uh, at the time, there was a Bible study offered every day. And there was always Bible study before the children's uh, choir rehearsal. And then they went to rehearsal Bible study before youth choir. And then they went to rehearsal Bible study for the adults. So the pastor asked Walter and I to to lead adult Bible study. And I never led Bible study. I was maybe 28 when we went there. I was like, oh my God, what are... (laughs) My face would be all flushed and I learned that I loved it. And, and then I was asked to lead the um, children's choir. And mm-hmm. so I did their Bible study in the children's choir. Of course they did plays. <laughs> wait, the, okay, the, wait, Pastor Terry. Okay, the play, yes. the drama piece. Were you a trained actress? Like how did this come about? I did it a lot in high school and college. I just loved it. I took some okay. theater. I took a drama class in high school, but I was always in plays in it from elementary school on. I mean, wow. I have costumes hanging in my closet now from wow. junior high plays. And so I just always loved it. I, I never, I don't have a degree in it or anything. I love writing. Walter has did a lot of uh, work with musicals at the Fleetwood Jordan Theater in Evanston. So he used to be the music director for a lot of theater stuff. So that, that was something really that we had shared interest in. But I always thought it was just a powerful way. I was really inspired by Nancy Beach, uh, who really started the whole drama ministry thing at Willow Creek. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to now say that Nancy is one of my good friends. And I've learned a lot from her ministry about the role of drama in like setting, preparing the people to hear the sermon or the message Mm. or, you know, at Salem, the passion play that we started really began as a way to teach the life of Christ for a new members class. One of the first times we did it, we invited all the new members classes to it. And then we did it for several years, as you know, at the old church at 118th. But I always saw it as a way of teaching. It was kind of like my sermons. So 
uh, March 31st, 1996. I'm uh, leading the children's choir. They have done this song, Hail Jesus, You're My King. Uh, they have this little procession and you know they're, they're dressed in their biblical clothes. And I go back to the back of the church and sit with them and the pastor gives the invitation. And he had been exhorting people for a while to accept their call. And for a while, I, I couldn't even go to church because it was so heavy on me. And I, did, I didn't want, I was fighting it. Mm. And, and Walter was, you know, he was my Eli. I say, he, you know, I was like, who's, who's calling me? Walter's like, Terry, it's, it's God calling. It's God calling. And so that wow. Sunday I came, I walked down the aisle. I literally felt like somebody had grabbed the back of my dress and was pushing me down the aisle. And mm. people said, my mom thought I was sick. Mm. She thought something was wrong. And I, when she came up, she met me at the altar and she said, she said, are you okay? What's wrong? And I said, I have to accept my call. I have to accept my call. And she said, well, it's about time. <laughs> um, so that, that was the beginning of it. And that pastor, uh, Dr. Tom Benjamin had um, a group where he was mentoring people accepting their call and preparing for seminary. And um, there's a book by Aubrey Malfers called Maximizing Your Effectiveness, which talks about spiritual gifts. Hmm. And I read that book and, and it helped me understand that there are lots of ways one can be a ministry. Being a pastor of a church is not the only way. And that I needed to look at the cluster of all of my gifts and maybe even he calls it the, um, the in, not the environment, but sort of the vineyard, the, the sphere in which you do ministry can hmm. be different for a lot of people. Um, and so I decided I wanted to go to the University of Chicago Divinity School because our denomination had a, what we call a Disciples Divinity House there. Mm. And so we moved to Chicago for me to go to Divinity School. And Walter started asking okay. people, um, his good friend, Leo Davis, who knew Reverend Meeks. Reverend Meeks was looking for somebody. And so our friend Leo put the two of them together. And it was another year, though, after we were here before I finally followed through and, and applied and got in. And so during the season when I was in divinity school, I was, I was still working full time. Mm -hmm. um, I think Mitchell was probably about the third grade when I entered. I was teaching a new members class all during that time. And it was a great time because all the things I was learning, I had an opportunity to teach in new members and try to make what I was learning uh, accessible, right? And real for people. And not just all the seminary language and all the seminary talk. Mm -hmm. um, we did, the first year I was in seminary, that's when we did Emmanuel at the Regal. So I, I look back, I was like, Terry, what were you doing? Uh, I, I was in full-time ministry. And at the time, at the time, women, there were no women ministers at Salem. Mm -hmm. Um, there were women, women uh, in my in my home denomination, mm -hmm. so I was living in a very strange place because mm -hmm. where I was serving mostly, which is at Salem, and my husband and I become members, and I was doing drama, teaching new members, and I wasn't. And Reverend Meeks was supportive, mm -hmm. but I was not acknowledged openly at that point in time as a mm -hmm. minister. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I. I um, he sent representatives to my ordination. In fact, your parents uh, were his representatives who came to my ordination in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in Indianapolis. And about, I don't know, eight months after that, he invited me uh, to preach at Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an amazing, amazing experience because 
for him to have acknowledged me and invited me to preach after all of that, that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the church responded. And, and, and he said to me, before I bring you up, he said, I brought you up because you never pushed me. You never um, uh, fussed at me and said, when am I going to preach? When am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. You just served. You just served. Mm-hmm. And people would ask me, even there's some men ministers at Salem will say, Reverend Mix seems to let you preach a lot. Like, what are you doing? Mm. And I said, well, one thing is I'm just serving the church. Mm. <laughs> if you want to be acknowledged, you can't just sit in a pew somewhere mm-hmm. and say, oh, I'm licensed to preach. Mm. When are you going to ask me to preach? I, I certainly didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And there, there were women. There mm-hmm. were women in this city who said to me, how could you be at Salem? He's mm-hmm. not acknowledging women. Mm-hmm. And, and what I said was, this is where I'm called to serve. And I said, I know Reverend Meek's heart. I just believe God that eventually, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, my, my gifts would make room for me. And I was living, what people don't know also was that I was living a whole different life in essence, because I was moving towards ordination with my denomination and my home church in Indianapolis mm-hmm. and with the region. And I was doing lots of other things in my home denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there, were, there were Baptist churches in Chicago where I was invited to preach and I wasn't allowed to, to preach in the pulpit. Wow. Um, but I, I thank God that Reverend Meeks has allowed me to be catechizer at a few ordinations. Um, he's invited me to, to coach and mentor other women who've expressed, um, a a need to discern their call. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so I've, uh, he, he has affirmed a lot of my gifts and I'm glad I was able to walk on the journey with him Mm -hmm. to finally acknowledge me fully in ministry. Mm -hmm. And, And now you pastor Leslie are a woman on that staff as a pastor, mm-hmm. as a pastor of children. Mm-hmm. And so I just rejoice in that because um, that, that lets us see, right? That mm-hmm. if you're the first one, try to make sure you're not the last one. That's your obligation. If you're the mm-hmm. first to do something and people will say, oh, you were the first Reverend Yvette Breckenridge yeah. who had acknowledged a call before she left Salem was one of the original members of Salem. Mm-hmm. Was, has been one of my prayer partners ever since uh, I came to sh- back to Chicago to Salem and has, has watched the journey and prayed with me and, and I've prayed with her. Um, and, and so I, I'm so grateful for her presence mm-hmm. on that staff as, as a minister of pastoral care and, and your ministry. So that, that just goes to show us that, uh, again, if, if you're quote unquote, one of the first, you can't be the last, you got to make sure mm. other people. So, so that's a, you know, a, a long story of the journey, but um, I literally got picked up from my seat <laughs> and pushed down the aisle. And um, my husband moved here because to follow and support my call. Wow. And, and so he started packing up our house in Indy and saying, we're going to Chicago and started asking around where their church is looking for a minister of music so you know that's that's a powerful so we are here because my husband heard god too and affirmed Mm. my call Mm. and moved us and so salem has been a big part of that i've grown so much because i was allowed to use my gifts of drama and you know i did commercials for the bookstore and uh you know skits and your mom and i your mom was the producer for gospel star search, you know, before there was American Idol, you know, yeah. before Jennifer Hudson was anybody, 
she came in third in our gospel star search, mm-hmm. right? So um, mm-hmm. Salem has been on the forefront of doing a lot of things and I've been privileged to be a part of a lot of that. So mm-hmm. well, people say, oh, well, how goes like, no, Reverend Meeks, long before he asked me to preach, affirmed and made, made room for my gifts and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll forever be grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Wow, Pastor Terry, your story is um, so there's so many threads of like, um, I've been reflecting personally on God's intentional development for our lives. Mm. That God has a curriculum for our lives. We mm. often think like, oh, like the seminary curriculum that, you know, that's gonna cover it. And it's like a joke because God just has a curriculum from in our mother's womb, you know, mm. where he is preparing us and developing us. And so as I hear your story, I was, uh, the thought came to me about, um, Eugene Peterson, how he talks about the book of Psalms of orientation, disorientation, and reorientation, and how, you know, in our Christian journey, we are, um, we have this orientation, you know, where things are great, we understand what God is doing, it's amazing, you know, and we're praising God, and then we have disorientation where we're like, whoa, you know, what's happening? Right. I don't, I don't understand, you know, that disorientation comes through a lot of ways, and then reorientation when we come back, and so I'm just wondering, you know, in your story, as you talked about being a higher ed, being in Salem, being in drama ministry, you were in corporate America, like, I just imagined being, oh, yeah, like, real disorienting. yeah, I'm like, like, how, how um, what was that disorienting experience like? And how were you able to remain centered throughout all of that? Yeah, yeah. You know, my entire, you know, corporate career, I always saw that, you know, I was just a very active church person, right? Up to the side. And and then when I was in seminary, um, I got a job at Ameritech um, because God was in the interview. And a mm. Black woman uh, who hired me, I, she knew I was, I told her I was going to divinity school. I took something you should never do, right? <laughs> in an interview is tell people that you, you want to do something other than what that job is. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was just honest with her. She asked me, what do you want to do in five years? I said, well, I've just been accepted at the university of Chicago divinity school. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure where that's going to take me, but I need a place where I can do that work because they don't have evening classes. So this woman gave me a job offer and the president of the division, they gave it to me in writing saying that I would have the flexibility to go to class. Wow. So, um, the, the the disorientation I think eventually came after I was ordained. I was uh, then working at the University of Chicago Hospitals and I was uh, director of IT strategy and planning. And so the capital budget for IT and all that stuff for the whole hospital. I mean, I did HR and strategy and budgeting for the IT at the University of Chicago Medical Center. Um, and the, after I was ordained, the first uh, capital budget cycle I went through, some, I, I just said, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always saw this as something other, you know, like uh, everybody has a church life or things that they do in their life. And, and church was always like that for me until I finished um, seminary and started asking myself, God made me uncomfortable again. I was comfortable. Mm. Um, and I didn't know that I wanted to pastor a church. Uh, when Mitchell went off to school, I contacted the uh, regional minister to say if there might be an interim or part-time 
opportunity in one of our congregations here. And there aren't that many disciples congregations in the Chicago area to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, and I just started, it, it was like, I don't, do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? It, mm. it, it, it the, the priority shifted. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. For a long time, I was able to handle it because church had always been such a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. And, and, but now I, it was sort of like, I had made these vows. I'd been blessed and oil had been put on my head as I was ordained. And it was a, it was a whole different thing. And so I op I intentionally talk about intentionality, opened myself up for some other opportunities. Mm. And I remember sharing with Reverend Meeks and also with some disciples of Christ pastors that I knew mm -hmm. this opportunity to pastor part-time as an interim initially, when you're supposed to do some good development work with the congregation, help them figure out who they want to be, do some tough organizational kinds of work and spiritual work. And so I did that at First Christian Church in Downers Grove mm -hmm. and was ready to walk away. And they had started a search for pastor and called me and said, we, we've been talking to people. We really want you to stay. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so then I had to decide, I, by that point, I'm, so I'm inching my way, right? I'm, I'm moving from full corporate to working for a hospital where I thought at least the value system and while I was at the hospital, I became a special assistant to the CEO, loved him, thought this is, this is good work. This aligns with my values. And then the divinity school comes calling. Leslie, I didn't apply for these jobs. <laughs> the divinity yeah. school comes calling. And so I get to throw my leg all the way on the other side of the fence out mm -hmm. of corporate America mm -hmm. um, and enjoyed working with students, being fed by academic life, mm -hmm. um, teaching and co being a teaching pastor and having students intern in my church, all of those things um, that God just slowly but surely sort of did it and, and made me uneasy in different spaces, spaces where I had previously been very easy mm -hmm. and said, I'll juggle. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and, e and even the role that I have as general minister and president, um, people came knocking at my door saying, have you ever thought about Mm -hmm. uh, allowing yourself to be considered. And, and, and so I did. So that, that orientation, disorientation, I remember the moment at which I said, I can't, I can't do this corporate thing anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and I gave up a lot. Of, I, I took like a 35% cut in pay to go to the divinity school to work for the, I mean, I gave up a lot of money wow. uh, to do that. And Walter's like, if we, if you hadn't done that, we would be visiting you in an institution. <laughs> I saw, so my soul, you know, just got really centered and I wasn't mm -hmm. sure I'd like uh, pastoring. I was like, well, let me try that and see if that will feed me. Loved it. Loved, loved. And it was a white church. You talk about it. I was mm -hmm. the first person to call it a pastor. It was a white church. Wow. I was like, God, I am Miss America in all 50 states. Miss Black America. <laughs> Miss Black America. Why would you have me in a white church? Mm -hmm. God, why would you call me? To, to be the leader of an 80% white denomination. Mm. I care so much about the black church and what it means in black communities. Mm -hmm. But I really think that God has placed me where he's placed me because he has, he's given me the ability to build relationships in different kinds of communities to talk about truth mm. and, and to affect justice. And so mm. I, I think God's given me a platform where I can speak to a lot of white people and Asian uh -huh. and Hispanic 
-hmm. And we're talking about important things about what the church should be and who we should be as God's people. Mm -hmm. Um, And and maybe they wouldn't have listened to anybody else in this space and time. God put me here, I think, because maybe this group of people might listen and I might be someone who, who can move um, move, move that forward. But yeah, that orientation, disorientation, I've had lots of moments where it's been, God, what are, what are you doing right yeah. now? What, yeah. what is this about? And, and, um, I don't think the night that I was installed as general minister and president, um, Walter sang a song, God knows what is best for me by Shirley Miller. And mm-hmm. it talks about not understanding all the things that you've been through and so now I've got to this point. So with everything within me, I say yes to the Lord, even though my faith gets weak, I'm standing on your word. So forgive me, Lord, for doubting you when your way I could not see. Now I rest assured that you know what is best for me. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there, there were times, Leslie, when people would doing, be doing their trial sermon at Salem, uh, men, mm-hmm. and I was not yet recognized as a minister. And here I am in seminary mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there listening to these guys preach and I would have to sit there with my chin up mm. and be congratulatory of those people and not be, and they ask the ministers to come forward and pray and I wouldn't be included in that group, mm-hmm. uh, go to places and they'd say, no, you can't stand in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. I preached my, I not a fight with my grandmother's pastor who didn't, she wanted me to preach her funeral. He didn't want me to be in the pulpit because he said oh, the guys will throw me out of the conference. Wow. So he, I mean, so there, there are all these moments of both acceptance. And mm-hmm. um, I think I'm a different kind of minister because had I been unsure of my call, mm-hmm. I could have been discouraged very mm-hmm. early on, mm-hmm. but I never, I was never discouraged. And even though there were things, um, there were times when my ministry was not acknowledged, at least as an ordained minister. Mm-hmm. My gifts were always acknowledged at Salem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I never felt that I wasn't welcome at Salem. Mm-hmm. I, I just needed God to move so that my ministry as an ordained minister of the gospel, a preacher, mm-hmm. would be, would be or acknowledged. And, and that took some time, but it happened. Mm. but it happened and it didn't um I have a very close relationship with Reverend Meeks mm-hmm. uh, when I was uh invited to um to pastor he's one of the people that I called and talked to about it mm-hmm. uh, so that journey that that he and I took together was not one that was uh, contentious or antagonistic at all because I understood I understood where he was and where he needed to go. Mm-hmm. And I was willing to walk with him in that process. And, wow. and so we walked together and um, he's, you know, now if I'm there, he, he, he came to my installation. He mm-hmm. preached my installation as a pastor. Mm-hmm. He preached my, uh, he didn't preach the installation as general minister president, but he and Janelle came to Indianapolis when I was ordained and in, not ordained, but installed as the head of the denomination. He was among the people who I wanted on the stage to lay their hands on me during that moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that story is a powerful one mm-hmm. because there are a lot of women who be like, mm, they ain't letting me do this. They ain't letting me do that. So I, I'm leaving. But I believed in this man's ministry mm-hmm. and the ministry of Salem. And so I, I, I walking away from me was really not an option because I believed mm-hmm. in everything that was going on. And so I just trusted that God was like, 
God, I'm confident that what you've started, you'll be yeah. in. Yeah. And if it's not, if it's not here, uh, mm-hmm. then it'll be somewhere. But I'm, I'm grateful that I, I was never one of those women that had a chip on their shoulder and was mm-hmm. angry. Because if you're going to be mad at the pastor, you need to leave. Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't, if, if you're not being recognized in the way that you think you, you just need to leave. You don't need to sit there and fuss. I never did that. Mm-hmm. I never, I, you'll never hear me speak an ill word about Reverend Meeks. I'll talk about the journey, but you'll you'll never hear me disrespect that man. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, in our last episode, uh, Pastor Meredith and I talked about women who you may need to leave. So I do want to express that that there oh, are oh, women, absolutely, like, absolutely, you know, there are women who may need to leave in toxic um, situations where there is abuse and there is lack of acknowledgement. Oh, I do absolutely. Want to, uh, I, just put that. I, oh <laughs> yes, yes, Pastor Leslie. Let me say that. And I think a lot of, I guess my point is mm-hmm. um, that in this situation, that was not the situation I was dealing with. Yeah. And what I hear from you, Pastor Terry, is, you know, um, I don't think you know this, but I actually transitioned from being full-time in Salem into working at Trinity full-time um, as a director of intercultural <laughs> development. And, and what I think about you often, because um, I think when I hear your story, you were willing to transition in so many different ways Mm -hmm. and how you were saying that we can have, um, I don't think you explicitly said this, what I hear you saying is we can have a picture of, okay, God has called me to do this. So I just stay like in this like narrow lane, you know, and realizing that, you know, shepherding can be so broad. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and even uh, transitioning, you know, it's been 12 years mm. since I was really um, fully active at Salem. My husband is there, but I've been away from Salem mm-hmm. as an active person for 12 years. Wow. And, um, and so the other thing I want to say about that is that there are there are women whose husbands would have created problems for them. Mm. Um, and, and my husband has always been, you go where God leads, you do what God leads you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll say, how stupid would I be t- uh, not to affirm what God is doing? And you, there is, uh, wow. I'm gone from home a lot. Um, pre-pandemic, I was traveling 60, 70% of the time. But mm-hmm. like you say, transitioning, you know, I... Um, in pastoring, it meant that I wasn't part of the Salem community in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, being dean of students, uh, I was, it was a different kind of ministry. Um, mm-hmm. I have had to do a lot of things to maintain my denominational connection before I was pastoring um, to ensure that I still had standing, right? That I was still recognized uh, mm-hmm. by the denomination. Um, even being... Um, general minister and president it's a different kind of ministry it's not it's not preaching to a to the same congregation. i mean i preach a lot but not preaching to the same congregation dealing with institutional issues leadership development um pastoring the 31 regional ministers who are basically our bishops and um i i sit on the world council of churches on the central committee of the world you know, I, I'm on the National Council of Churches governing board. In fact, I'm the treasurer of the, the National Council of Churches. Leslie, I'm going to, it's what? 
Wow. The Poor People's Campaign. William Barber is one of our, uh, he's a Disciples of Christ minister. Mm -hmm. I, I've spoken at those events and rallies. This is, William Barber's in my phone. I mean, William Barber calls me. He calls me his bishop um, because I'm the head of his denomination. So transitions in, I never ever imagined in a million years where God was taking me I, I and I'm one of those people that really wanted to have the roadmap laid out like mm -hmm. God I need to know yeah. I need to raise one two and three like mm -hmm. what we're doing here and, and I just had to trust God and now I look back and mm -hmm. I can see I can see all the breadcrumbs I can see you know all, all the places and you know I'm being the first person of color to lead uh I'm the first person of woman not the first person but the first woman of color to lead a mainline denomination. Wow. That is, that's just, inc it's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, it's sobering, but it also means that if I had known what it meant to struggle a little bit mm -hmm. or to have that disorientation, Mm -hmm. um it wouldn't mean as much to me and I think I'd be a different kind of minister you have to mm -hmm. be really sure and certain of your call mm -hmm. I've shed tears absolutely shed tears mm -hmm. and I I know also that um you're talking about staying or going mm -hmm. I couldn't um I wasn't just going to sit around and wait for something to happen yeah Right. You know, opportunities yeah. were presented to me. And so I took them. Mm -hmm. And so that meant I had to leave a place that I love. Mm -hmm. uh, and it meant that where God grew me up was not in the place where I thought I was going to really find, uh, you know, my ministry mm -hmm. there. Um, we served uh, Martin Temple AME Zion Church before we went to Indianapolis. And if we had stayed there, mm -hmm. That minister has, has remained one of my mentors, Bishop Nathaniel Jarrett. And um, he's in his 80s now. And um, if I had stayed at that church, I might be AME Zion minister now. Mm. It, and so I look at where I got nurturing mm -hmm. and where I was planted. And it was clear, I'm not ordained as a Baptist minister. I'm ordained as a Disciples of Christ minister. God needed that to be the place because that's where, that's the people I lead now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all, my story is just crazy. It's, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a story of God, I think. moving, mm -hmm. And it, it's one, I, I know so many women who have faced the situations you talk about where it's been toxic and people have been disrespected. Mm -hmm. Had that been my situation? I, I, I certainly would not have stayed. And, and I counsel women the very same thing. Okay. Don't, uh, I remember calling reverends one time. I said, these people, I got there. They wouldn't let me stand in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. And he just, he listened to me. And so I, I now have real clarity. When I'm invited somewhere, I get real clear about what, what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. And what are we, mm -hmm. you know, just all of those logistics. Mm -hmm. Because people are I, I'm not I've decided I've decided I'm not going to be disrespected mm. I'm not going to be invited to your house and and be told that I have to stand on the floor mm. uh, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that kind of thing mm -hmm. um, 
not I'm not going to allow you to pull me into a situation where you're disrespecting me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to ask enough questions uh, ab- about where I'm headed and where I'm going and, and let you know that. Mm. Uh, so I've, I've mulled many, many Baptist churches in Chicago, many, 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 many mm-hmm. uh, where I've gone. And they're all Baptist churches, interestingly enough where this has happened. So mm-hmm. one group redacted my bio and took out any mention of ordination and seminary training. So, yeah. And even now, um, there are still, um, there, it's still the case that we, uh, my home church just installed their first woman in 155 years. Wow. 155 year old church, first woman. Um, there are Cynthia Hale, Ray of Hope Christian Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, she will tell you she started her own church because bl- black folks weren't ready to call her as a pastor. Mm. Um, so black women in particular mm-hmm. have have particular challenges because of our culture mm-hmm. is still very male oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're allowed to do in many uh, context is still people still struggle with that mm-hmm. um, and I was received as a pastor of a white church mm-hmm. and they honored and loved me as their pastor uh, in, in a way that other black churches had not at that point so mm-hmm. you know th- there's that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and Pastor Terry I think you know um when you said your story is a story of God, I think that is so it. Like that is this. When I hear your story, uh, Pastor, I don't even know if you realize how big it is. Like I feel like you realize it, but it's so big. Like it's so grand of of what God can do when we entrust our lives to Him and we're open to Him. And I hear your agency a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. throughout your story I hear you being like yeah like you know you're willing to transition and I and I think that's something for our listeners is that a lot of times we can feel like um our discipleship is in in the hands of one person of like where you go I'll go or like I've never seen this so I can't imagine this or dream this and I just hear like this oh I see this open feel with you of like yeah, yeah, I'll go faster. I'll do yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and also people, I think it's 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 really important that we that we have in, in ministry be particularly when you're female, that you have good colleagues and friends and sister friends and mentors and and elders and, and you know sometimes I have um, a woman I consider my pastor, a spiritual elder. I call her my forever pastor. She's 10 years younger than me, but mm-hmm. she's been in ministry longer than I have. Mm-hmm. And she was the associate regional minister um, here in Illinois, Wisconsin, uh, when we came back to Chicago. And um, as a pastor in this area, she was you know, one of my regional pastors. And she continues to be someone that I hear from she told she called and said I had a dream and I saw you in the pulpit at Danner's Grove wow and I'm going to give them your papers because I think that's a good church that'll be a good fit 
And she's one of the people who, who prayed with me during this whole search process for general minister and president. And um, I can, people that you can call who will hold your confidence and say things to you. And um, I was at an installation and just praying. We have a, a new leader of one of our ministries, black female, first woman and per, first person of color to lead this financial ministry. And I prayed that the church would pivot and shift and follow her, uh, follow her leadership. And she called me later, my forever pastor, and said, as you were praying, she said, I saw a red flesh on your face. And she said, I saw in your body mm. the spiritual warfare because there's so much change that's happening. Mm. And she said, I just saw it all on you. Mm. And she said, so I want you to, she says, I'm praying for you. And she said, I think maybe we need to gather a few people so that we can figure out how can we call the church to pray against all this, the resistance to change, how we can pray against that. Mm. So people who are paying attention to you and watching you and knowing what you need, the word of encouragement that you need in a moment, um, people to tell you to rest and to, you know, do all those things. And, and so I've been blessed with with good sister friends mm. who, and even some male friends who, mm -hmm. who pay attention. Uh, there's a friend of ours that we met in Indianapolis who pastors in Chicago. Um, he knew my mother. Uh, my mother passed away in September. Uh, just this past weekend, I got a text and uh, he was trying to call me, but I was on a Zoom and he was like, I'm just calling to check in on you. Um, somebody who's followed my ministry he's one of walter's best friends but he and i just have a a, a friendship as people in ministry um and, and so just having those people mm -hmm. um you know bishop jarrett who's 80 some years old there's a an elder white couple of elder white ministers that i check in with and say hey what's happening my two predecessors in this role both white people one woman one male um, being willing to sit and ask and listen and talk. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can have different conversations with Reverend Meeks now because mm -hmm. I, I've pastored and, you know, he invites me to preach and, you know, it's funny. I've gone, um, you know, it's just a different kind of relationship. And I think you have to learn how to, how to, how to learn from people and how to receive help and support from people and pay attention when people, um, you know, a lot of folks are going to tell you they, they've heard from God, ain't heard from God. <laughs> uh, and so you, you need to be discerning about who those people are mm. that you allow to speak into your life um, and, and, and encourage you. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that because, um, yeah, you, 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 you can't do it alone. You can't walk alone. Mm -hmm. You can't. Uh, and you need to be sure, and you also need to encourage other women, mm -hmm. um, you know, not only in their ministry, but just in their life choices and whatever they do with their families. Mm -hmm. um, people always ask me all the time, does Walter mind that you travel? It was like, you know what, y'all, my marriage is my marriage. And so you let your relationship be your relationship. Mm -hmm. we've always been in ministry as long as I've been married to Walter he's been in ministry so and in a ministry that takes up a lot of evenings so our our rhythm has never been like most people's rhythm and so you got to let people you know you can't let people tell you what your life is like either in mm -hmm. ministry mm -hmm. or what should be normal or 
mm-hmm. you know, it, you, you just can't let people dictate. We will celebrate 35 years of marriage in August. Wow. And we're, we're doing just fine. <laughs> you know, I'm on the road, you know, I just started traveling again. I was gone most of last week. I just got back last night. So, you know, Walter, and he, he will be traveling with me in a couple of weeks. He gets mm-hmm. to go with me sometimes and he's happy being the first gentleman, right? He's, <laughs> he's happy. They call him the first dude. He's happy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. our, our relationship is not based on me sitting, uh, just always sitting where he's ministering. He's always, mm-hmm. he also sits where I minister. Mm-hmm. And so for women who are married, and I know sometimes for single women, it's difficult because people um, have this image of what it must be like. First of all, if you're Christian, let alone if you're a pastor, right? But somehow you're not, somehow you're not fully human. But anyways, I, I, mm-hmm. I digress. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think all of those things about you know, agency and um, support and taking care of yourself and mm-hmm. at a certain point, just not letting people treat you any certain way are, mm-hmm. are really important. Wow. Pastor Terry, you said so much. And I, my prayer and my hope, um, and I told you this before we even started recording, was that our listeners would just feel a sense of like barriers being broken, that, that they don't have to fit in this one mold. That's what I've admired from you and your ministry, Pastor Terry, whether it was plays or preaching or uh in all the different ways that God has transitioned you I I believe that you have been your authentic self in mm-hmm. each of those spaces which I think is a whole episode <laughs> yeah that's yeah, absolutely you know preaching you know just say you know, I'm not a hooper I had to get comfortable with the way I preach mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and hopefully pray that people would want to hear me even though I'm, I don't sound like what you'd expect mm-hmm. right so Mm-hmm. I'm more of a teaching preacher mm-hmm. than I am a hooper and you know all those things what you wear how you present yourself and all those things yeah yeah <laughs> we, we we really have to have um an episode on what you wear as a woman when you preach that's a whole yeah that's a whole thing um, but Pastor Terry, you have um, blessed us so much. It, it really is an extreme honor to have you oh, here. Yes, and um, I, I love to conclude with number one, are there any um, final words that you would give our listeners? And then how can people follow you and stay in touch with you? I know you um, host a dynamic prayer uh, live every week. And so I would love for our listeners to learn about that as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think if there there were final words, I would I would just say, uh, just paying pay it listening to God, listening to God, um, just just being prayerful, and, and being open, as you said, to those possibilities that what ministry is doesn't look the same for every person. The only way to be in ministry is not to pastor a church. There. <laughs> There are lots of other things that we can do and just be as faithful and, and have as much and sometimes even more impact uh, in ministry. Um, I'm able to look around our denomination now and see just so many people who were students of mine, right? Mm-hmm. And that gives me just, just great joy. Young, young people uh, that I've mentored. I'm going to be with uh, Pastor Jason Reynolds this coming weekend uh, to preach for his 10th 
um, pastoral anniversary. And I remember talking with him in the new member's office mm-hmm. uh, about going to seminary and he was wow. an engineer and what that would mean. And um, so those kinds of conversations, and then you look and you see how maybe a word that you've spoken. So, so listening to God, listening to other people, being able mm-hmm. to engage, uh, I think, and, and then just being okay with who you are, what God has given you. Mm-hmm. Um, what God has for you really is for you. I think that's, that's the, mm-hmm. the, the story of my life and ministry. And it, it does, my journey doesn't look like anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was at Genesis 11 um, where it talks about Abraham. It says that Abraham believed the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I just believe God. Mm-hmm. And that Philippians 1 and 6 I have confidence in this, that the one who began a good work in you will complete it. There were many times along the journey, I was like, God, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But the confidence that what God has begun in you, he'll, he'll bring it to fruition. It may not look the way you thought it was going to look, but you must trust God to complete God's work for you and in, in mm-hmm. your life. So, um, but you can follow me on Facebook on, uh, I have a personal page, which is Teresa Horde Owens. And then my public page is Reverend Terry Hort Owens, and I host um, prayer there every week at 11 Central, 12 Eastern. Um, it's just a, a, a time to pray. I started it during the pandemic, and, and we're just keeping it going. I'm on Instagram at T Hort Owens, and I'm on Twitter at, at Terry Hort Owens. Uh, Terry, follow you. Yeah. Oh, I'm on Twitter. Twitter. I, those are different platforms, right? Yeah, so different. Different platforms. And I find I have different kinds of engagement with people on each of those. And so the Christian Church DOC, uh, Disciples of Christ, we have um, church pages. Uh, we're Christian Church DOC, I think, on Facebook and Instagram. And at Disciples News, which is really strange, at Disciples News on Twitter. Um, but quite often I will retweet that kind of um that kind of information and this is the the symbol well it's a podcast people can't see but um well no we are doing video oh we're doing this Uh okay Uh this this um chalice is the sort of the logo of the christian church disciples of christ with the saint andrew's cross Mm -hmm. so wherever you see that cup with the the saint andrew's cross which is sort of slanted um that is usually present somewhere within one of our um denominational signs or whatever but so if you don't know about the christian church disciples of christ we're a sister denomination of the united church of christ a ucc so um we, we recognize each other's ministers and share a lot of work together um so well praise praise the lord uh, for you and your ministry pastor terry thank you thank you thank you i cannot say thank you enough um listeners i know that you have been blessed uh, we will be concluding next week with our last um uh woman uh reverend event breckenridge she will be closing her out and so i'm so excited um, if you have not, please subscribe, like, follow, In Process Podcast. It has been a joy to be with you for this brief moment, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye.